Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com. Welcome to St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine Cha. There's an effort afoot at Opera Theatre of St. Louis that goes back at least a year and a half. It's called the New Works Collective Initiative, and it's an endeavor that addresses both what and who has long been missing in American opera, work by, with, and about people of color and folks who are LGBTQ+. In other words, opera in the USA has not, so far, reflected great swaths of the nation's populace or sounded much like it. Here's a sample of all three New Works collective pieces that premiere tonight. That's a sample of the three operas that will premiere tonight and run through this Saturday. They're the first fruits of that Opera Theatre of St. Louis initiative. The performances will take place at the Center of Creative Arts, or COCA. All three of the 20-minute original New Works Collective operas will be presented together in one program. Here to talk about the significance of this world premiere and what the New Works Collective means for opera makers and lovers here and all over the country, we welcome mezzo-soprano Olivia Johnson, a singer of two parts, uh, the main character, Ex's sister, who's a drag king, in Madison Lodge, which was the, the last piece that we heard, and Dr. Patricia E. Bath in Cook Shack, which was that, that first bit we heard, So happy you're here. Thank you for having me. We also have tenor Matthew Pierce, who sings the role of Simon Tam in Slanted, an American rock opera. Wonderful to have you. It's great to be here. Thanks. And his voice was the one that you heard. That was the the second part of that sample we heard. Now, Olivia and Matthew, I'd like to start with you. Mm -hmm. Playing roles of real-life people versus characters um, to what extent is that new for you? Olivia, let's start with you. I think for me personally, it makes it more of a human experience, something that I can easily easily relate to. As the sister um, in Madison Lodge, it really connects to me to be able to create a safe space for a young black boy to express himself. Um, and as Patricia E. Bath 
just allowing a young black woman to look up to someone in the midst of being bullied. Um, I really connect with these characters and providing a safe space for freedom. Mm-hmm. And Matthew, how has it been for you? You know, it's not often in opera that uh, the character that you're portraying gets to be standing in the room. You know, being such an old art form, it's that's not a that's not a regular thing. Um, much less to have you know, Simon be in the room and also be one of the creators of the opera, you know, so it's, it's been a very cool experience because I've gotten to know him as mm-hmm. a human and trying to bring more of his, you know, determination and his, he likes to call it troublemakerness, you know, to bring some of that into the show and to kind of embody some of that is a really special, special experience. Mm-hmm. And is there anything that, uh, that Simon has said to inform how you you have played him uh, on the stage? <laughs> you know, n- not so much. Um, I think, you know, if, for the people listening, uh, Simon and I don't look very much alike. Uh, I'm quite a bit taller than Simon, uh, quite a bit uh, less Asian looking than Simon. Um, but I think a lot of it has been just being true to the spirit of what Simon was trying to put out, mm-hmm. you know, and to to be honest to the vulnerability that he felt while he was in court, but to also um, show that defiance that he's known for. Now, before we get too far, I would like to make sure that we explain, right, what these um, what these operas are about. So Slanted, the one that you were just talking about, an American rock opera is based on the true story of the Asian American rock band who challenged the Supreme Court in 2017 to fight for the right to use their name, which is the the Slants. And I happened to be in, in Oregon um, when they were sort of uh, coming to the fore. Um, Cook Shack is about a young girl who embraces her identity. Um, and Olivia, you mentioned that she is in, a, in an experience of being bullied. Yes. And so there, there's some um, spirits rallying around her. Mm-hmm. And it is inspired by black female inventors of the past. And then there's Madison Lodge, which is a joyful celebration of drag ball culture during the Harlem Renaissance. I don't know how much more joy <laughs> you can get than that. Right. Now, for each of you, um, Olivia was deciding to audition for the Newark's collective, somehow related to ways that you could relate to the roles? Actually, this kind of fell in my lap in some ways. Okay. Um, I was auditioning for their summer festival uh, for OTSL, and they extended this invitation to me. Um, and I agreed immediately because I love doing American works. Yes, this is black. Uh, and Asian uh, music, but for me, it's American as well. And so that meant a lot to me to Mm -hmm. take part in it. And was your lap, uh, Matthew, (laughs) similarly in the right place at the right time? How did did this come to be? Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, uh, Just a little bit before we began the workshops for the pieces, uh, I got a call saying that they were looking for an Asian-American tenor and said that they needed them for this piece. They said they needed somebody Freddie Mercury-esque, and so here I am. Okay. (laughs) Um, But, you know, it's been... it's been an incredible experience for me, especially um, as a half Asian. I grew up Korean and American, um, but visually, I don't necessarily present as very Asian. Um, so I've never felt that it's been my place to tell the stories. But to be given that um, that free range and given the space to tell a truly an Asian American story, not an Asian story, an mm-hmm. Asian American story, um, has given me 
you know, a lot more pride in who I am and um, a willingness to to do more for API awareness. Yeah. Now, also with us is the director of all three New Works Collective pieces comprising the program that, again, premieres tonight. That is Ramun, uh, I'm sorry, Rajendra Ramun Maharaj. Hello. <laughs> Ramun, welcome to the program. Good to see you. I'm sorry, Rajendra. Well, you know, my grandmother used to call me Ramoon, too, so that's a, a okay, good so ancestor Okay, so I'm channeling your, your grandmother. Yes, she's, she's in the room. <laughs> I have granny energy. I'm yeah. going to keep that. Yes, girl. <laughs> How is it that Opera Theater St. Louis and, <clears throat> excuse me, and its New Works Collective, how did it get on your radar? Well, you know, I was very blessed uh, to be the assistant director on Fire Shut Up in My Bones uh, at the Metropolitan Opera, yes. which is a huge moment in the history of the Met, the first African-American opera produced by a living composer at the Met. And I met the artistic director, uh, Jim Robinson, and he said, you know, we have this program here, and I know that you're an activist. I know that you are a person who wants to provide safe spaces and lift up BIPOC narratives, having been, you know, my heritage includes Indo-Afro-Caribbean. And so to be able to do this was a dream come true and a big responsibility because it is the first of its kind. Mm -hmm. um, and when you're the first, as I said to the cast, you will take all the blows, you'll have all the struggles, you'll have all the triumphs, but it opens the door for the next generation. And this is definitely one of the art forms that is still catching up after the We See You, White America, the uh, George Floyd um, murder and, and a response. And so it's a very exciting time, but it's also one that is uh, way, way overdue. Mm -hmm. And just want to note here that Fire Shut Up in My Bones, it premiered at Opera Theater of St. Louis in June of 2019, and I got to be there. I had to leave early because I had a little one who does not um, sleep according to the schedule of um, of opera. But that has very much been a, uh, I think, a well-deserved feather uh, in, in the cap of Opera Theater St. Louis. Um, Rajendra, you were talking about some of the, the pressures that come with being the first. Um, you have plenty of cred on and off stage, right? There's the writing, choreography, directing arts administration, you know, activism with NAACP. I mean, was there any part of you that had to really carefully weigh whether you would take this on? I mean, was it a no-brainer or was there more involved than that? Well, it was definitely something that I really had to focus on because we know that whenever we bring BIPOC voices and spirits and ancestors into a room, it has to be supported. And I was excited because I knew coming from FIRE and then having directed the Factotum at Chicago Lyric that this is the moment and it is happening. The challenge was making sure that these artists felt safe, that they felt seen and heard, that know that their stories matter, and also to know that for the next generation of composers here in St. Louis and around the country, that this is an art form that inherently belongs to them for far too long, mm -hmm. we've been overlooked. And so this is an opportunity for people to look in the audience and little pe boys and girls and adults to say, hey, there's a space for me and I belong. What is it or, or what was it about the purpose 
of Opera Theatre of St. Louis's New Works Collective or Initiative and its you know, time um, or its locale. So I had asked Olivia um, Matthew Regendro where you're from. Mm-hmm. Um, none of you is from St. Louis. I mean, is there something about its happening here that made it feel like it was the right place to happen? Absolutely. I mean, I, as an activist, as an artist, I took my first trip to Ferguson. And I went exactly to the block and to the spot and to the memorial. And it became very real that this work is so necessary and inspiring and wanted. There is a huge Asian black and queer population here that are like, please (laughs) see me, represent me. We are Americans. We have value. And so this is answering the call. And I'm proud that we're all part of this movement. And it's the movement uh, meeting the the moment. And that's what's really exciting. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, Madison Lodge is by local uh, Trayvon Griffith, yes. local to St. Louis. Um, and then Cook Shack, we are mentioning uh, Annie Malone, who was the first black female millionaire. Mm-hmm. And she started a college here called Poro College. Mm-hmm. Um, and her work of creating that college actually led to the other black female inventors that we mentioned within the opera. Mm-hmm. So in a way, St. Louis kind of was the start of it all. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. And then for you, Matthew, you're talking about um, sort of biracial background. Um, you know, St. Louis is not a place that people associate with anyone who is neither black nor white. Let's just be really... 100. Right? 100. And yet, like with the slants, it started in Oregon. People don't think of Asians when they think of Oregon. Great. So, I mean... Is, is there anything for you about doing this work here in St. Louis, right in the middle of the country, that is meaningful to you? Yeah, I mean, it's for, I, I think for so long, um, I, th- I think there's still a pretty big struggle in the Asian American community for representation in this art form, period. Um, we There's plenty of Asian singers and um, that have done their work but to have Asian stories told um, that's you know that's that's such an important thing for this industry to have that there's Asian stories being told by Asians not written by white men that are you know um, you know that don't really understand what that struggle is like what it's like to live that way and so to be here you know smack dab kind of in the middle of the country and um, having the opportunity for opera companies from all over to come in and take a look and see you know let's take a look at this project and let's see what this can become right, you know right. this is a great starting point for us but by no means is it the pinnacle of what inclusion is in opera by no means. Sure. So we still have a lot of work to do, but as long as we can have people come here and see what it can be. You know. I'm talking with tenor Matthew Pierce, mezzo-soprano Olivia Johnson, and Rajendra Ramoon Maharaj. Uh, he's the director of all three of the 20-minute plays in the New Works Collective um, that premiere tonight at COCA. And the, these two performers and singers are are part of that as well. Um other than having works like this um, in the New Works Collective, how else can opera be better about representation? Um, Rajendra, I'll, I'll 
Well, I mean, like any movement, it starts from the top. So more diversity represented on the board level, more diversity represented on the staff level, um, more. And what made this program so unique and why I was so excited was because for the first time in the history of an opera company, they took the power of selecting these composers and lyricists and gave it to the community, which looked Asian, which looked black, which was queer, and said, we have this money. Now you make the decision. And it removed it from what many of us feel, the white gatekeepers that uh, you know cultivate what is good art, what is bad art, what is BIPOC art. And it was really exciting. And I have to say, Opera Theatre St. Louis has really stayed true to that. Mm-hmm. And it's been very, very important. Rajendra, can you explain a little bit more about that process? Our reporter, arts and cultural reporter here, um, Jeremy Goodwin, he has been writing about this. So for those who have, have missed those pieces, yeah, what was this process like and how did it work? Sure. So traditionally, um, when you receive a grant um, of this size from an organization, usually the, the heads of the uh, theater, uh, the general manager, the artistic director, managing director will decide who gets commissioned or who gets to work. But what Opera Theater St. Louis did was they said, no, we're going to go to our community leaders of BIPOC leaderships that look diverse, and we're going to cultivate those recommendations. And so they picked these three groups to be, you know, debut here. And they look like us, and they have our same cultural experience and 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 social norms. And so that is what's so groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, like, you know, a pebble on the pond, it will spread across the country. So with that being true um, about what the institutions have, have been like, what they've looked like, how they've functioned, um, you are here, Rajendra. And Olivia and Matthew, I mean, you, you have this opportunity to meet with uh, someone who is seasoned in, in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, what has it been like in working not only with Rajendra, but also with performers and creators from all over the country on, on this work? I have been very, very lucky so far to perform along with other black American singers. Um, But this is the first time that I've ever worked with uh, creators, uh, black creators and Asian creators, um, Delshawn Taylor, Samia Bashir, Trayvon Griffith, Simon Tam, and Joe Jiang. Um, all of them have inspired me because they've come outside of the opera world and they've given me more perspective uh, about this world. And they are truly wonderful, great human beings. So that's been a, an amazing experience. Mm-hmm. You know, what's, <clears throat> pardon me, what's been so wonderful about this whole process is uh, the humanizing factor of everything, mm. right? Um, Rajendra is an incredible human, um, just, you know, with all the things that he's done so successfully, for him to still be just a grounded human being is incredible. And I think so many people get this perspective of opera singers being these high up, uppity, but I like to go bowling, you know, that's, <laughs> sure. and so I'm a normal person. And so to meet these people that are also um, normal people um, that just have done extraordinary things and have created in an extraordinary way, but that we get to come together and we get to be humans together. We get to enjoy each other's presence. And that's not something that we get to publicize about opera very much. Mm-hmm. Just the ordinariness. 
Yeah, yeah right. I mean, just people. What makes us extraordinary is that the story we have, no one can steal. But there's a commonality that reminds us, as Dr. Maya Angelou said so, so many, many moons ago, that our strength is that we are more alike than different. Mm-hmm. So this is the, the first, again, when it, I'm going to repeat this because that is important. Uh, to what extent do each of you see um, this iteration of the New Works Collective Initiative, and it's just the, the first year of a, a few years, because there have been some resources committed to this, right? Um, to what extent do you see it affecting necessary changes in the world of American opera? Like, is that too big a thing to ask? No, I mean, I think because we're in the world of opera and we're all so different. And so our responsibility is now when we go into the next space, which will probably be predominantly a white space, to maintain the values and the things we saw of possibility and hope in this process Mm -hmm. and bring it to that space and also to continue to question, you know, truth to power in the world of opera. Yeah, I th- I think, you know, true equity in in the field of opera is still a, a ways away. You know, until the point comes where we don't have to worry about it being all minority composers, that it's just composers of good opera writing good opera for opera singers. You know, until we get to that point, we still got a long way to go. But this is a great first step towards that, showing people that there is more um, that you know, I'm in slanted the an American rock opera, you know, to have that blending of genres and to have that musicianship from a different field brought into the opera to, you know, to just evolve, create an art form that's evolving, mm-hmm. that's not stagnant for another 400 years. And to finish this off, Olivia, in one word, how are you feeling about tonight? Blessed. <laughs> Olivia Johnson is a mezzo-soprano, tenor, Matthew Pierce is also here, and Rajendra Ramoon Maharaj is the director of the New Works Collective. Um, These operas that are going to be here uh, premiering uh, tonight. Thank you so much for being here on opening day, and best of luck over the next few days. This segment was produced by Elaine Cha. With audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Doerr. Our production intern is Avery Rogers. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis.
Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.